We're looking at the book of Proverbs as we study together in the Old Testament. You might ask, well, why are we looking at the book of Proverbs? Uh, why would we be looking through this section? Well, first of all, it's the word of God. So we, we're, we have to look at the whole counsel of God. And secondly, because all God's word is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And certainly, uh, this book does that for us. We chose out subject matter rather than going verse by verse because subject matter seems to be the criterion as we go through uh, each section. Uh, we've been looking at the heart, and last week we looked at some very, very negative things pertaining to the heart. We looked at what God says about the heart. Remember, we read in the scriptures, particularly in Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse uh, 23. This was the first warning that we receive from God's word concerning the heart. Remember, when we're talking about the heart, we're not talking about the object in the chest that pumps blood. It's referring to the whole thinking process of man where the emotions, the intellect, the will is. It's the person behind the face that we're talking about here. And so God warns us here, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And notice, the issues of life will, will uh, infect or... Uh, the whole body will follow the, the heart. Pick it up, please, in verse uh, 24. Put away from thee a crooked mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look on the right, and thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. The whole body's going to follow your thinking. Our Lord Jesus said that, of course, uh, that as a man thinks in his heart, that's, that's what he is. The, out of the abundance of the heart come the issues of life. So we want to make sure that we are focusing on a heart. What did God say about the heart? Well, the warning characteristics we looked at is that uh, God hates six things. Seven are an abomination, and among them was a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Then God talked about a subtle heart. Remember the woman who was trying to lure in the young men with her subtlety of heart, the scriptures tell us. And she said, I'm just like you. I'm a Christian. I brought sacrifice. And then we saw that a wicked heart can be a deceitful heart. It can be a heart that despises godly instruction. Uh, there's a bitter heart, a perverse heart, a haughty heart, an angry heart. Uh, we looked at all of these hearts, an envious heart. We looked at all these hearts, and God wants us. Guide your heart. Direct your heart. Be careful about your heart. Keep your heart with all diligence. So we know there's a battle. It's obvious to us from both the Old Testament and the New Testament. We want to make sure that we're guarding our thought process, guarding what infiltrates our head. Now, we want to go just for a few moments, if we can, a couple quick things about the heart. And one of them that I'm interested in because of my particular background and how I've had to deal with people over the years is that outside influences can alter a heart. Outside influences. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about people, although that's true, but what we put in our bodies can alter our thinking. Turn with me very quickly, if you could, please, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 23. We live in a day of medication, do we not? There's so many medications on the market today that it just becomes somewhat frightening to, to see them. I know that you've seen commercials on television. I certainly have seen commercials on television where you take this because you have a particular problem. But if you take that, it can kill you. 
and your problem isn't as bad as dying, you know. You, we read about these medications, particularly some medications, this can cause severe depression and suicidal tendencies, and many, many, many of them do that. So we live in a day of medications that can alter your thinking. And if for some medical reason you are prone or have to take some of these medications, you need to realize that and guard your heart all the more abundantly, because you'll be subject to depression or subject to discouragement, subject to all kinds of wrong thinking. And why is it? Well, it's an outside influence that you've introduced into your body. One in particular in Proverbs chapter 23, this of course has to do with alcoholic substances. He warns about this alcohol. Uh, this is not grape juice. Remember, true grape juice, it's the product of the cluster. When you squeeze grapes, you get grape juice. That's what God wanted his people Israel to drink. Uh, what did they do? Well, obviously, they allowed it to turn, they allowed it to ferment, they even, in many cases, helped it to ferment, and as a result of that, God warns about that. Look at verse 31. Look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth aright. Simply, when the thing starts to fizz, don't go near it. Why? At last it bites like a serpent and it stings like an adder. I get it. When the thing starts to rattle in the glass, stay away from it. It's going to bite you essentially what he's saying. And what does he say? Thine eyes shall behold strange things, and thy heart shall utter perverse things. You see that? It has an effect on you. It's an outside influence that you've taken into your body, and it can affect your body. Heart shall utter perverse things. You've been around drunks. I've been around drunks. I was at one time someone who drank a lot before God graciously saved me. You say some foolish, foolish, ridiculous, stupid things when you get drunk. You just do. That's all there is to it. And to deny that that happens is foolishness. So we need to be careful. There are legitimate pharmaceuticals that can alter your persona, your thinking. There are illegitimate pharmaceuticals <laughs> that can alter, and so can alcohol. So God tells us, guide our heart. No one has to drink. But if someone has to take pharmaceuticals, we need to be very, very careful that this is not altering our thinking. We need to saturate our mind with God's word. The negative thoughts will come, but when I get back into the word of God, God will direct my thinking. Now, how does that happen? Well, turn with me for a moment, Philippians chapter 4. I'm sure you're very much aware of this. God wants us to make sure that we're concentrating on that which is uplifting, that which will direct and guide our thinking, that which will bring joy into our lives. Why? Because God's word brings that joy. Does it correct? Of course it does. Should we repent? Of course we should. Do we confess our sins? Of course we should. But what do we do? We need to get back on, if you would, a spiritual walk, walk with him and honor him. And he lets us know in chapter 4, Verse 8, if you'd go there with me, please. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It's by saturating my mind with the word of God that God will bring about that process of changing my thinking, changing my thinking. Concentrate on that which is good. Why? Because 
as Americans particularly, that does not mean the rest of the world is not like this, but as, as Americans particularly, we tend, our, the heart and human nature tends to concentrate on the here and now. We're so fat with the things of this world and so insulated from the harms of this world that we concentrate on the here and now. But we're all going to stand before the Lord one day and give account. And God wants us to make sure that we're walking by the power of the Spirit of God in the Word of God and looking to what He says to honor Him. And so concentrating on the things that are honest, that are pure, that are pleasant, that are gentle, merciful. It's all part of a walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Let's, let's look at what the Lord Jesus said, please. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. The heart of man is prone to the here and now. Look at verse 21, please. Remember what he tells us in verses 19 through 20. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, the here and now. Why? Moth corrupts, rust, thieves break through and steal, etc. Lay up treasures in heaven. With moths, moths are not going to get to them. We don't know much about moths today because most of our suits and clothing is mixed polyester. No self-respecting moth wants them. But I, I remember years ago, uh, someone gave me a suit, and it fit perfectly. Her husband was short and fat like me, and it fit just perfectly, the length and everything else. And it was a beautiful wool suit. I loved the thing. I remember it was green. It was a very expensive suit, and I put it in the closet, and one day I looked in there, and there were moths on my suit. And they literally ate pieces of my suit. Why? Because they liked that. Well, there was a suit I had great pride in, and moths corrupted it. All that we have, the here and now, it's all going. It's all going. So what does God say? Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So what you focus on in this life is going to turn your things. It's going to turn, and God warns us from that. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it come the issues of life. Be careful. Guard your heart. So what does God want from us? He wants us to have rejoicing in him. That's the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. That joy that is to come out of a merry heart. And where does that come from? It comes from being saturated with the Word of God. So let's look at some passages, if we can, concerning a godly heart, or we would call it a New Testament Christ-like heart, if you would. And what should we expect and rejoice in when we have that heart? Well, turn with me back to Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 2. Proverbs 2, 2, please. Verse 1, my son, if thou will receive my words and lay up my commandments with thee, so that thou shalt incline thine heart unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. So we want biblical wisdom and biblical understanding. Where does that come from? It comes from the word of God. And biblical wisdom and biblical understanding will give us a heart of understanding God's will, understanding God's word, who he is and his purposes. Look at chapter 2 and verse 10, please. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. See that wisdom comes in, that knowledge is into the heart and knowledge is pleasant to the soul. When we're receiving good information, it tends to cause us to stop and think about things instead of just spurting off. I, I'm 64. I'll soon be 65. I remember all the way back to the presidential debates of 
uh, Nixon and Kennedy. I was young at the time, but I remember those going on. But I, I remember through the generations, as I've observed presidents come up, they all have a good speech. They all have a good, every candidate comes up, they all have uh, everything they're going to do all the time, everywhere. And then just as, as each of the candidates is picked out uh, for each particular party, just before they're going to debate one another, the national security advisor gets together with these guys and he tells them what's really going on. And I, I would advise you, look for this. Uh, some of the guys we have running are foolish so they might keep opening their mouth. But all of a sudden you'll see a general hush in their attitude. They don't say, we're going to go bomb this and bomb that. Why? Because now they have the real information. They have the, what's really going on. And all they were saying was all you know, flowery stuff to please people. All of a sudden they realize the dire straits. And no, you can't attack that place because of this. You can't bomb that because of this. You can't do that because of this. And uh, you know, we buy it all right. Oh boy, he's going to do that. And once he finds out what's really going on in the world, scared to death. And if we knew, we'd probably be scared to death, too, of the world, right? Not, we're not talking about the Lord. He's going to take us no matter what happens. So we recognize that a wise heart will be a discerning heart. And we want to make sure that we fill our heart, not with the world's wisdom that will you know, keep us quiet, but with God's wisdom that will give us the right words to say at the right time. Look at chapter 3 and verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandment. Chapter 3 and verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the tables of thine heart. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So God continues on and on. Look at chapter 4 and verse 4, please. He taught me also and said unto me, this is Solomon talking about his father David. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Again in 4, look at verse 21 if you would please. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart. And then he goes on to warn about uh, keeping the heart with all diligence. So we want to look at the word of God and when we place it in our heart, the joy that can come out of that. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 8 please. The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. That's a vain, sarcastic, critical person. Remember, I was reading one time in preparation for a message, and I read something by Dr. Graham Scroge, and he said, some Christians have a sinful graduate degree. I thought, well, what's that? And he says, it's a, they have a master's in murmuring. That's pretty good. And some do, but what does God tell us? Well, and he lets us know that if you are one that is wise in heart, you'll receive the commandments of God instead of spurting off, instead of speaking out when you should not be. Instead of giving someone a piece of your mind that you cannot afford to lose sometimes. So we want to make sure that we have a heart that's ready to receive God's word. Now turn with me to Proverbs 6 and look at verse 20 for a moment. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. And when you go out, it shall lead thee. When you sleep, it shall keep thee. And when you awake, it shall talk to thee. Now, I'm not going out on a spiritual limb here, but if you ever had God's word talk to you, I have. You think something wrong, and God springs a passage in your mind that says, no, no, no. Wrong thinking, wrong attitude, wrong words, wrong action. No, no, wrong. And when you hide God's word in your heart, 
you're not as prone to sin against God. Why? Because God brings up those passages. The Spirit of God, through the Word of God, brings to remembrance those things which you have studied, which you've learned, and what happens? It convicts you of sin and righteousness and judgment. So we want to make sure that we're keeping the Word of God. Why? It will talk to us. Now, not, we're not talking audible voices here. You know, we're talking about God's Word speaking through the Word, through the Spirit of God in the life of a born-again believer. The Spirit wants us to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he came, he pointed. His ministry is Christocentric. He indwells you. He wants you to submit yourselves to the Word of God, to saturate yourselves with the Word of God. For what reason? So that you might be the person that God wants you to be. He'll do the work, but you have to submit to that. You have to turn to that. You have to put off the old man and put on the new. Why? If you don't, you're going to end up walking in the power of the old man. The Holy Spirit wants to use you, but his mouth is on your face. His ears are on the sides of your head. His feet are attached to your legs. His hands are attached to your arms. He wants to use you. You have to submit to that. And how do you do that? By saturating yourself with the word of God, and it will speak to you. It's got to, doesn't it? If it doesn't, it's not living in powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. But I know that it is. I know that it is. Now turn with me to Proverbs 8, please, verses 1 through 5. Doth not wisdom cry, and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth on the top of the high places by the way in the places of the pass. She cries at the gates, at the entrance of the city, at the entrance of the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is is to the sons of men. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. See, God wants our hearts submitted to his word. Why? Wisdom cries at the gates in a world of intellectual abilities. People thinking through. Uh, we're supposed to stand out. Not, not with the world's wisdom, but with God's wisdom. Here's what God says. You say this, God says that. You're wrong. Sorry. Sorry. I'll, 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 I'll stick with the Lord if you don't mind. Uh, thanks for your advice, but no thanks. You know, we need to be careful that we're listening to what God has to say. Look at Proverbs chapter 10, please. God's word wants to lift us up. God's word wants to encourage us. God wants us to walk according to the word of God. Verse 19 for a moment, please. In the multitude of words, there lacketh not sin, but he that refrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the just is like choice silver, and the heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Contrary to a fool speaking, notice, what's up with this foolish person? Notice, the tongue of the wise is like choice silver, the heart of the wicked is of little worth. Contrary to a fool speaking, a wise man will speak the truth. And we know the truth is God's word. A wise man will give forth uh, the word of God. Chapter 15 and verse 28. My father used to say to me, I don't, he made a profession of faith. I, I just trust that it was true. But he used to say, it's better to be silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. That's a, that was a good saying. Uh, Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies... How to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things, foolish things. See, God wants us to think through. That's why James tells everyone, does he not? Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Think about what you're saying. Say, well, I just go off, it's like a bomb. Yeah, look what a bomb leaves behind when it goes off. 
Think it through, folks. Think about what you're going to say. Oh, yeah, you have an answer, but that might not be God's answer. It might not be God's answer at all. So we want to make sure that we're thinking through. The heart of the righteous studies, contemplates, thinks about how he wants to answer. But what happens? Well, fools just pour out evil things. They just pour it out. Okay, let's look at a couple more quickly. Head with me, please, to 1623. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. If you're wise, you'll teach your mouth. Teach your mouth. Be careful. You'll add learning to your lips. Why? Because you're being more and more immersed in God's word, thinking through what's right. Is this edifying? Remember Paul said, don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Are you building people up or are you tearing them down? Proverbs 26, verses 4 and 5 for a moment. There's so many of these. Remember I mentioned there was over 100 times that the word heart is mentioned, the thought processes. This is interesting. According to my research on this, which is very limited, this, the book of Proverbs came into question as far as being part, adding it part of the scriptures, particularly because of these two verses. And notice what it says in Proverbs 26 and verses 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him. You get the answer? Don't answer him according to his folly, because you'll end up being like him. And then the next verse, 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. And you may have a footnote in your Bible. I have a footnote in mine. It just simply says this. There's a time when you answer a fool, and there's a time when you just let a fool be foolish. There's no answer. He said something so ridiculous, it does not even rate an answer. So we want to make sure that we are careful in our answers to people. We want to make sure that we're guarding our hearts and our minds and our mouths. Okay, Proverbs 11 now, please. 29. Under my heading that I have in my notes, in Proverbs 11:29, wisdom of heart breeds leadership. It breeds leadership. The Christian world, if anything, we need leaders today. We don't need whiners and criers and murmurers and men that are not men. We don't need those. There's enough of those around. We need men that will stand up and be men, leaders. And we're in Proverbs uh, chapter 11. Look at verse 29 for a moment. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. See, the wise of heart will be a leader, and fools will be servants to him. The servant will be subject to the wise in heart. We want wise Christian men, men who think through, men who stand up for righteousness and holiness. Remember God said to Job, stand like a man and I'm going to require of you and you answer me when I speak to you. Whoa, can you imagine what that must have been like? Why? Because Job started to buckle under the weight, didn't he? Started to buckle and God said, no, you stand. And God tells us to stand, doesn't it? Men ought always to pray not to faint. Be strong, Paul told Timothy. Don't buckle under this. Why? Because God is in control. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded he is able to keep that. So Paul was convinced, and you could see Timothy uh, in those passages seeming to buckle a little bit. So we want to look at Proverbs chapter 15. What happens uh, when you have a heart that's rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ, is walking in the power of the Spirit of God. Well, notice, if you would, in Proverbs chapter 15, and in verse 13, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of heart the spirit is broken. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, 
to everything there's a season, right? There's a time to rejoice and there is a time to mourn. So we're not saying you just deny that. Some people deny problems in their life. It's like some kind of charismatic thinking. I, I have no problems. Yes, you do. You're in the world. You're full of troubles. But how you deal with them is the important thing. So we don't want to fool ourselves into thinking that everything's fine. It's not fine. Just read the paper or something and you're going to see it's not good. But recognize this, how I deal with it. I want to have a heart that gives me the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy of the Spirit of God that dwells in me. And you can literally make yourself sick by always being discouraged, downtrodden. You can infect your physical body. I don't know anything about medicine. You know that. But I know this, that your body just throws chemicals at you Fight or flight when you're when you're upset about something, and it's all and and if your bodies don't burn those chemicals, it infects you. It's it's God's provision. God has given us it, but you can make yourself sick by worry, by fear. There's some Christians they don't go to church because they're afraid someone's going to come in and kill them. Statistically, there's more Christians killed at home than in church. So where ought you to be in church? Is people afraid of everything? What does God say to us? Just trust me. Just trust me. That's all. We, we don't want to be foolish, do we? I mean, I lock the doors at night, right? We want to be careful. We, we need to be careful. We lock up for protection, so we don't want to just say, oh, whatever happens, happens. No, God tells you to be careful. He told the disciples, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm going. Sell your raiment and buy a sword. I'm leaving the scene. But he reminded the disciples, did he not through Peter? He that lives by the sword shall also die by the sword. We don't trust in swords. We trust in the living God. But recognize this, that we want to have a, a, a countenance about us that no matter what's going on about there, yes, we're taking all the necessary precautions, but we're not allowing that to overrule our hearts. We want to have a cheerful countenance and honor the Lord. Some of us have a bad face for that, though, don't we? We do. I have that face. And, you know, I, I have people that are around me that try and tell me, listen, you look like you're mad. I'm not mad. I'm actually happy right now, you know, but you look mad. Well, because of my face, and I can't do anything about it. I, I, but notice what God says to us. He wants us to have a countenance of joy. Let's look at another passage, Proverbs 17. Now look at verse 22, please. This is a passage on a disgruntled person makes themselves sick. Look, if you would, Proverbs 17 and verse 22. A merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. You see that? I mean, you can make yourself sick by being miserable all the time. And some people are not happy unless they're miserable. You've met them. I've met them. I hope you're not one of them. If you are, you're going to make yourself sick. And don't ask the Lord, Lord, help me not to be sick. No, ask the Lord to help you not to be miserable. And then you won't be sick, you see. That's how it works. Be careful. Take most of what I just said there and subtract some of it. Okay, let's go on a little further. <laughs> Head with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudence, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Again, we read that before. God wants us to be wise in heart, prudent people, diligent with God's word, careful with God's word. Look at chapter 18 and verse 15. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. See, that the heart of the prudent wants to get knowledge. I want to know more about God. I marvel that these Christians, they don't read their Bible. I love God. You do? He wrote you a letter. 
He wrote you something here. It's the only book he ever wrote, and here it is. He wants you to know about him. I just love God. I don't read the Bible, but I love God. Wait a minute. You don't want to know what God has to say? I told, tell my wife I love her. I love her with all my heart. If she talked to me and I said, I don't want to hear from you, how soon would she start thinking, maybe he doesn't love me? I want to increase knowledge. I want to grow. Why? One day I'm going to stand before him. What if he asked some of these people that don't read the Bible some questions about the Bible? I'm not saying that's going to happen. Sorry, I never read that part. Whoa. We want to look at God. We want to increase knowledge. As a born-again believer, I want to know more about my God. Why? I'm going to spend eternity with him. The next guy that gets into office might not last the four years. I don't know. He may go eight. That's fine. But I'm not going to live with him forever. But I am with my Lord. And I want to know more about him than I, that person. There's some people that study politics more than they do the word of God. Explain that to me. If you're a Christian, you ought to be more interested in what God says than any man out there, right? Let God be true, though every man a liar, right? Kind of says some things, doesn't it? Sure it does. Okay, let's go on a little bit further if we can. Look uh, with me, please, at chapter 22 and verse 11. So what kind of heart do I want? A heart that's going to honor the Lord, that seeks after God's word, a cheerful heart, a willing heart, a knowing heart. We're in Proverbs chapter 22. Look, please, at verse 11. 11. He that loveth pureness of heart, for the grace of his lips, the king shall be his friend. How come people don't like me? Maybe it's because you don't have a good word to say about anything. How come I don't have friends? Maybe because you just make everyone miserable that you're around. Could be. But if you have a heart of joy, a countenance, people are drawn to you by that. And God's word can use that to influence their thinking and their ways. We need to have, a, of course, a constant guard on our heart. 26 for a moment and verse 12. I'm going to end in just a minute, so just hang on for a minute. And we'll end this section on the heart. Seest thou a wise man in his own conceit? There is more hope for a fool than for him. We need to guide our heart. If you think you're wise and your wisdom doesn't come from God's word, you are indeed a foolish person. You're a foolish person. When my machine trade, uh, I used to work for engineers, and I would be assigned to an engineer, and whatever this guy was thinking, I would have to make. He'd draw me a picture. Sometimes on a napkin, it was awful to do. But anyway, he'd draw me, here's what I want, and, and my job was to go and create that thing that he want, wanted out of metal. I have met some of the most brilliant people in the world, guys that were 10 steps ahead of me in my thinking as far as the metal is concerned. They know nothing about the Lord. How wise were they really? All these things are going to perish. It's all going away. The greatest invention of the world one day will become ashes. Why? Because God said we're to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth, right? Why? Because that's where our concentration is. Uh, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 11, and we'll end with this. We skipped over a lot of passages on the heart, but I trust you got a general idea. God warns about a heart that's this way, but he encourages a heart that that way as far as honoring him. Proverbs 31, look at verse 11. This is having to do with a virtuous woman. I have worked with some men and some ladies that um, were not virtuous at all. I remember one guy that I worked with, he had a real problems in his marriage and with his wife, and he said to me one day, he walked over to me, I was running a machine, he said, I wonder what she's doing now. Almost cried for the guy. 
I almost cried. Notice in, in Proverbs 31 and verse 11, talking about the husband. This woman, in verse 10, who can find a virtuous woman, her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so that he shall have not need of spoil. She's not out spending everything and doing things contrary to God's word. You see, a heart of a believer can safely trust in one another, of course, with the limitations of knowing that we're human beings. But we can trust in one another. Let me ask you this. Can people trust your heart? Can a Christian trust your heart, or are you flighty? Are you indecisive? Do you walk with God one minute and not the next? Are you a person that they can't come to for wise counsel because you don't have it, because you don't know God's word? Every one of us is responsible to have a heart that's filled with the knowledge of the wisdom of God so that we can answer one another in an acceptable way. Well, we need to stop here, and Lord willing, the next time we get together, we'll look at a different subject in the book of Proverbs. Let's pray. Father, help us to have a heart that is compatible with the Scriptures. We know, Father, as New Testament Christians, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He wants us to walk in, the, in His power. He wants us to walk in His might. He wants us to be strong in the Lord in the power of His might, putting on the whole armor of God. But, Father, we know we have a choice. We'll either decide for the old man, the old fleshly nature, or we'll walk in newness of life according to the word of God. We'll, uh, we'll read the word. We'll think on those things which are just and holy and good. We'll add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control. Father, you want us to look into your word to have a heart that's compatible with what you say and compatible with what a Christian should be. Help us, Father, to walk worthy of the vocation to which we are called. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.